Christos Anesti, Christos Kurias. We are here because of Jesus. Today, I have a simple and brief message for you, for me. I know that it's still something weird about having been around 28 years and saying this, but as the new pastor and my first Easter with you, I, I, I want to give my very best to you, but I want you to know that your first lady is already thinking about you and praying for you because the first thing she said to me this morning as I was getting dressed about 6.45, 7 o'clock, she said, you did shorten up your sermon for today, didn't you? <laughs> yes, because we're only going to talk about what's important. Because one of the questions we need to ask ourselves today, on a day where the estimate is in this 24-hour period around the world, as the sun makes its way, as the earth does its turning, a couple of billion people will worship Christ on this Easter. They will celebrate Easter. With everything that's wrong in the world, with all the stuff crazy that is going on out there, what's so big deal about Easter that two billion people would stop to focus on it? Well, it's like this, quite simple actually. If you want to use your note page today, by the way, we have one for you to help you. But here's why Easter is so important for you and me. Why is it such a big deal? Because Easter proved that Jesus is who He claimed to be, and it validated what Jesus taught. Those two things make Easter such an important day. Let's talk about the first one for a minute. It proved who Jesus said He was. John 8, 25, tell us who you are, they demanded, and Jesus replied, I'm the one I've always claimed to be. When you have killed the Messiah, you'll realize that I am He. Wow. I mean, Jesus is making a bold claim, and this wasn't the only one that He made while He walked on this earth. Perhaps the other really bold claim that so many of us remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by means of me. Let's just get clear on something. No other religious leader has ever made that claim. All religions are the same. Horse hockey. Jesus was the only one who made that claim. And very carefully, listen to what he said. What did we just repeat? I am the way. I am the truth, and I am the life. No other way. That, you know, folks, when somebody says the, the, the like that, they're not leaving you lots of other options. You either affirm, yes, Jesus is who he said he was, or you say, no, he was not. He's either who he claimed to be, and you've heard C.S. Lewis, right? Lord, who he claimed to be, or he's a liar, or he's just flat out a lunatic. And Jesus said, this is how you can know that I am who I claim to be. He said, once I die, I'm not going to stay dead. I'm coming back to life after three days in the grave. 
In Mark 10, 34, Jesus said, they will mock and flog and kill me. That's what we remember during Holy Week, right? But after three days, I will come back to life again. He said, that's all you'll know. Now, remind me again, why was Jesus crucified? They crucified him because of who and what he claimed to be. He claimed to be God. And so the religious leaders of his day had a couple of options. You either, if, if he's claiming to be God, you either fall down and worship him, or you got to take care of this guy and get him off the scene. you got to kill him. Worship him or kill him. So they recruited the Romans into the process, and they crucified him. But the problem is, for them, he didn't stay dead. Three days later, Jesus comes back to life, and, you know, I always tell you, you know, if we, if we could all just read maybe Greek and read the New Testament in its original language, maybe we'd pick up on some of this. I, I don't know. You have to really kind of immerse yourself in the story. But I think there's some humor in this Easter story. I mean, we always get so heavy about Easter. But think about these guys who've kind of manipulated things to get rid of Jesus, various religious and political folks, and you've supported the execution of this man, Jesus. You got up in front of thousands of people. The mob cries out, right? Crucify him. Crucify him. Give us Barabbas, which was exactly what these religious and political leaders wanted. Everybody knows he's been put to death. He's been put in a tomb with a Roman seal on it, and three days later, you run into him on the street. They did all that stuff, but they were only postponing the inevitable. Jesus said, I'm coming back to life. It proved who he said he was. He said, I am the Son of God. Don't believe me unless I do the miracles of God. That's what Jesus said. He said, here's what I claim. Here's what I'm going to do to prove it. If I don't prove it, I'm a fraud. If I do, I'm God. Remember that. Now, in the Bible, the resurrection of Jesus Christ is a matter of public record. There are at least 15 different incidences in the Bible alone of what Jesus did after he came back to life, came back to Jerusalem, walked around for a while, talked to people, ate with people, people touched him. One time he spoke to over 500 people in one shot. And then he ultimately ascended to heaven. And since then, it is possible for all of us to know him through a personal spiritual encounter, just like the apostle Paul, Saul Paul, right, on the road to Damascus had a personal spiritual encounter, just like the Philippian jailer had had a spiritual encounter, just like the Ethiopian eunuch who was riding in his chariot who encountered Philip on the road and then was baptized, and just like you and me, it is possible. Jesus proved who he said he was by the resurrection on Easter. But he also validated what he taught, what he said was the truth. Because if Jesus wasn't who he said he was, then how could you trust anything else he says? I always think it's the craziest thing in the world. Well, uh, you know, I know that Jesus was a historical figure. I believe he was a great teacher, but I just don't believe that he was the son of God. Well, then you are crazy for, for believing he was a great teacher when he was nothing but a liar in your view. This is why C.S. Lewis said, it's got to be Lord, or he's a liar, or he's crazy. 
If Jesus says, I'm God, and he doesn't rise from the dead, how could you trust anything else he said? Because he said, in three days I will rise. But he did rise. And since he proved who he said he was, we can be certain about the things that he taught being truth, because God does not lie. The Bible says, let's understand, God be true, every man a liar. We can outvote him unanimously, and God's still telling the truth, and, and the truth is not in us. That's the way it works. He is truth. God does not lie. But here's what Jesus promised in John 8, 31, 32, a verse you've heard many times, oftentimes misquoted, but we'll go with it. Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, if you hold to my teaching, if you learn it and follow it, if you hold to my teaching, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. I want you to see that benefit, folks, because you need to know this is one of the great gifts that comes to us through Easter. Truth be told, right? Let's just let's do a little truth-telling this morning. Do you think that most people you know act like they are free, or do they act like they're in bondage to something? That's where it's amazing. My experience has been, as I get to know people on, the, on my street, you know, walking around the neighborhood, when, when we would go to the pool and talk with people there, when we would meet people and have conversations, very quickly people begin to tell you their burdens, and they are imprisoned by those things quite often. People are bound up. They're captive to worry. They are captive to their guilt. They're captive to depression. They're bound up by bitterness and anger or fatigue and insecurity, enslaved by addictions and codependencies. So the sad truth is most people are not free. They are, in the words of a very wise young lady, they, they are just surviving they're not really living. They're just existing. But Jesus said, when you know the truth, the truth will set you free. So today, as your blessing as we go out, I want to give you the four truths, four things Jesus said that would set us free. So here we go, very quickly. First of all, God made me for a reason. You're not here today by accident. You're not here on this earth by accident. I, I don't care what the circumstances are related to your birth there's no such thing as a surprise child to God. There's no oops with God. No illegitimate child with God. Every person on this earth, everybody say, that's me. Okay. Every person on this earth, God had a reason for putting you here. The Bible tells us in one of the biggest mysteries, one of the hardest things to explain, but it says God had a plan for you before you were ever born. And here's what Ephesians 2.10 says, you are God's masterpiece. We are God's work of art, his masterpiece created in Christ Jesus to live the good life as he meant for us to live it. Not the good life as this world defines it, but as God defines it. God made you for a purpose. He loves you. He planned your life. And until we discover that He is to be the center of our life and what He has made us for, until we know that, we're not really living. We're just existing. We're surviving. 
My experience of Montgomery County, Maryland has been this, and I just, for the whole region, if you say, well, I live in Howard's, it doesn't apply to me. Yeah, yeah, okay. My experience in this world, but especially in this region around the national capital, is that there are a lot of people who have a lot to live on, but need something else to live for. That's tragic, because God made you for a reason. And when you discover why God made you and what He made you for, all of a sudden your life takes on a new meaning, a new significance, a new fulfillment that you never realized was possible. That's gospel. That's good news. God made you for a reason. Here's the second truth that'll set you free. You can know God personally. You can know God personally. People all the time, is there really a God listening to me? Is there a God who hears all this stuff that we say, who hears all these prayers that we offer? Well, maybe there's a God, and that may be generally true, but does He really care about the details of my life? Yes, yes, yes. He is interested in the details of your life. He knows everything about you. The Bible says that He made you, He knows you, He knows all about you, so that even the very hairs on your head are numbered. Now, for some of us, that's less of a challenge than for others. I I get that part. You'd be hard-pressed to even guess how many I've got, but God knows. God knows. You see, and here's what's even more important. God is not satisfied in just knowing about you. He wants you to know Him. And that's mind-blowing. God knows all about me, but He longs for me to know Him. Not just about Him but to know Him personally. You see, there's a word for knowing about God in English. It's the word religion. Religion is what we can learn about God, about deity, about, about theology stuff. And frankly, I don't care what your religion is. I don't care whether your background is Catholic or Protestant or Jewish or Buddhist or Baptist or nuns or duns or whatever it might be. Because religion is just knowing about God, but knowing God is about a relationship with Him through His Son, Jesus Christ. And the Bible clearly teaches that Jesus was not sent to earth to give us a new religion. He came to give us and restore us into right relationship with God, because God wants you and me to know Him. John 14, 21, John said, Jesus said this in the Gospel of John, anyone who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and show myself to him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Kind of reminds you of that verse that comes in Revelation, right? Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears the knock and opens the door, I will come in. This is just a reminder that he says, anyone You ever wonder if you're good enough? Does anyone include you? Yes, it does. Yes, it does. Does anyone include me? Yes, thank God. It does. Anyone who loves me will be loved by my Father. Now, here's the deal. 
You can't just suddenly love God. You have to, the Bible says, how will they know without someone to tell them, without a messenger? That's, by the way, that's your job if you're a follower of Christ. You might think that's the pastor's job. I, I got some insight. I was recently hired as a pastor, and that's not what my job is. It, it's, it is all of our job to make Christ known, all of us. If we share it, then there will be some who hear it. And as they hear, they will desire to seek. And here's what the Bible says, if you seek, you will find. And when you find God, you get to know Him. And to know God is to love God. And when you know and love God, anyone who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him or her and show myself to him or her, and we will come to him or her and make our home with him or her. Get to know God that way in a personal way. It changes everything. Don't let religion get in the way. You can know God personally. Here's the third great gift. I can be forgiven and start over. Let me try that again. I can be forgiven and start over more than once. Yeah, see, that's the, that's the amazing thing about God. You think offering that as a one-time deal is incredibly gracious of God, but God offers it to us over and over again. Why? Because He knew He'd have to. He loves us that much. He knew we would fail again and again. He loves us. See, this is why guilt is such a big part of religion. We all carry guilt. We, we all walk around with this, if only, if only, if only, and regrets of life. And here's the problem. Guilt never built a bridge anywhere. Guilt builds walls. It builds a wall. It builds a barrier between you and God. I, here's how most people think. I don't want to get to know God if all he's going to do is sit there and judge me in all his perfection. Here's what Jesus said. I did not come to condemn the world, right? But that the world through him might be saved. So real living is guilt-free living. So when you can get up in the morning and you can look yourself in the mirror and in spite of all the stupidity that you did yesterday or the day before or the night before or the week before or the month before or the year before, you are forgiven. You are loved because you're a child of God. You might have blown it. You may have made some mistakes. You may have pulled some dumb stunts. You have made some bad decisions. But when you're a child of God, you are forgiven. And everybody in here, all of us have made decisions that we wish we hadn't made. We've said some things that we would like to pull back, that we would like to retract. We've done some things. We've thought some things that we wish we had not done, some things that we're embarrassed about. None of us is perfect, but Jesus said that we can be forgiven and start over. Colossians 3, verse 14, listen to this. Just let it kind of wash over your soul. He has forgiven 
all our sins and canceled every record of the debt we owed. Christ has done away with it by nailing it to the cross. It's the crazy thing. They keep saying computers are going to make our lives better, aren't they? You ever had a debt that that was paid and yet it popped back up? You get another letter, you get another email, better take care of this debt, better take care of this, better do that. It just seems like it keeps coming back. It's already been paid. What we like is when we pay a debt, done, forget about it. Paul is saying when it comes to our sins, Jesus has already paid for our debt. You don't have to worry about things that Jesus has already paid. That debt's not coming back up. I like what Rick Warren, it shows my age. You know, he's about a year older than me, I think. He calls Colossians 3.14 the etch-a-sketch verse. Y'all remember, right? You just shake it. What happens to the picture? Just disappears. You start over. He said, this verse is a reminder that every day we walk with Christ. Just like an etch-a-sketch. I can be forgiven. I can start over afresh. There's one other piece to it. This is the part that sometimes you hear talked about the most. I don't do that all the time, but I do want to make sure we never forget this. The truth that will set you free. I can go to heaven when I die. This is also good news. Because on Easter Sunday, you know, we, we have to embrace the joy of Jesus' victory over death and sin and the grave. Jesus is basically saying, I've already whooped death. You can too if you put your faith and trust in me. Death does not have to be the end. It is not the end. Now, this is important to everybody here because in case you have not noticed, other than Jesus and a couple other folks that God brought back, death is a bat in a thousand, as we say. Everybody in this room, if the Lord tarries, all of us, our day will come. We have learned by this time, most of us rather tragically, it doesn't make sense when it happens. It comes to those that we think, why, why? he was so young. Oh, he lived full life. Why did this happen? Oh, this was so sudden. What we all need to understand is death comes for everybody. It is a universal experience, a universal event. If you don't understand that physically you're going to die, you need to wake up to this fact. It doesn't matter. It is the great equalizer, right? And we can talk about it doesn't matter if you're rich or poor. When it comes to death, it doesn't matter. It comes. Rich, poor, black, white, American, not American, It is the great universal equalizer. Only, and pardon my language, only a fool goes through life without preparing for something that he knows is eventually going to happen. You think it's bad that you didn't start saving in a 529 for your kid to go to college the day they were born? Yeah, that's a mistake. You knew that day would come. You probably should have prepared for it. But compared to not preparing for the end of life, that's small potatoes. You're not really ready to live until you are ready and prepared to die. 
And what happens is most of us get hung up. We get hung up on the process. We say, oh, what's really going to happen when I die? And this is our end for today. So just jot this to your head here and understand this. When you die, here's the, here's the opportunity. Heaven is a perfect place. The Bible clearly says it's a perfect place. No mistake in heaven. So if you're going to live there, guess what? You got to be perfect. Now, if that just gave you pause <laughs> and your response to saying, well, I understand heaven's perfect, but you're saying, I got to be perfect to get there. You say, well, I don't stand a chance because I'm not perfect, and you need to hear me say this to you. You are 100% absolutely right. And since none of us is perfect, that's why God came up with what looks like plan B to us, but was always plan A to Him. When you're not perfect and you can't get to heaven on your own, the only option is to trust the only perfect person who ever lived, Jesus Christ. Enter into that relationship with Him so you enter on His merit rather than trying to get in on your own. You've heard it said probably if you've been in church many times, people will use this phrase. They'll say, you know, one day you're going to stand before God. He's going to say, why should I let you into my perfect heaven? And you could try to bluff it and you could say, well, it's perfect. But he knows all, and so we know that's not true. The Bible clearly says there is none perfect except God. Or you could say, God, here's the good news. I'm on the plan B plan. Christos kurios. Jesus is my Lord and my Savior, and he already paid the price of admission for me. Now, let's go back to how we started today. Why is Easter important? People came here today in this room. People are going to churches all over the world, going to Easter celebrations for so many different reasons. Tradition, a friend's invitation, because of the joy of life in Christ, to celebrate a baptism, all kinds of great reasons. Maybe it's something else. But whatever you think the reason is that you came, you need to understand that we're not in this room by accident today. God brought us here, I think, everybody in this room for this very reason, to get our attention so He could remind us, if you, if you already know, to remind you, you matter to God. And He's created this opportunity for you. And if you are here today and you've never really known that, you're here so you can hear that. He wants you to know. He loves you. He loves you. You matter to Him. He has a plan for you. He wants you to know Him personally. You can be forgiven for all you've done wrong and get a fresh start. Every Christian ought to be yelling, amen. You can, you can confess your sin and be forgiven and get a fresh start. Amen. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. And He wants you to, to celebrate that and to know that you're going to heaven to be with Him when this life is done. So this is my word to everybody. Come home to God on this Easter Sunday. Reunite with Him. We invite you to unite with us here at Pathways. Whatever pathway you're on that has brought you to this place today, our prayer is that we can walk together toward Jesus and all that He has and wants for us. That's the joy of Easter. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. Let's pray. Thank you, God. We give you praise today, O oh God. We praise you for your forgiveness. We praise you for your love. We praise you for the invitation to know you personally 
And for those of us who've walked that part of the path already, we say thank you. For others who are still walking towards that light today, God, we thank you for, for bringing folks here. We, 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 we thank you for the friends who invited and who brought folks here. We pray that you will help each one of us in this room as we continue on a journey towards you. We pray that there might be some today who would say, I, I, I've reached the place where it's time for me to make my decision, my commitment. I want to receive the free gift that God has offered through Christ. Whatever it may be, God, we want to be a part of what you are doing. We celebrate Easter. We thank you that Christ is risen and that that changes everything. And everyone agreed and said, amen.